Are you ready to take control of your life? Overcome the obstacles that have been holding you back. I'm Dr. D, and welcome to Quitting is Not an Option, a podcast that inspires and empowers you to reinvent your past and revolutionize your future. I know what it feels like to be held back by past failures and setbacks as I myself lost a multi-million dollar business, home, investments, and marriage due to the bad acts of a CFO. But I rose from the ashes and recreated a new life, and now I am an accomplished author, gifted speaker, consultant, and life coach. And each episode will cover tips and strategies to overcome adversity, overcome fear and feelings of failure. We also have experts and special guests who share their inspiring experiences to support you every step of the way. Together, we can help you find joy in your journey while positioning you towards success. Let's get started. One quick thing before we jump into today's episode, I'm writing a book. It's called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, Uncovering the Secret to the Love You Want. If you or someone you know are unlucky in love and are looking to change that, this is the book for you. I've been working on this for such a long time, and it will be so helpful to me if you pre-ordered the ebook for 99 cents this Valentine's Day. That's February 14th. As always, thank you so much for your support on all my projects. Now, back to the show. Nearly 1 million people die by suicide globally each year. Suicide is one of the top 10 leading causes of death across all age groups. Worldwide, suicide ranks among the three leading causes of death among adolescents and young adults. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 34 and the 10th leading cause of death overall in the United States. In many cases, those left behind wonder, what did I miss and what could I have done? In other cases, there were clear warning signs, but no one knew when it was appropriate to intervene or how to approach the subject of suicide. The rising suicide rates among youth in particular make it clear that we need to discuss it openly so we can deepen our understanding and save lives. Suicidal thoughts are serious. Even when they're only fleeting, they indicate that the person having them is in need of some relief. While there is no single cause of suicide, it always begins with a thought. But how do these thoughts develop? So far, research has not led to a conclusive answer. Every person is different but there are a few common triggers for suicidal thoughts, and they include depression, 
and other mood disorders, which can be caused by chemical imbalances in the brain. When left untreated, these imbalances can result in feelings of hopelessness and despair. Then there's grief and loss. When a person do not have the emotional capacity to cope with the death of a loved one, a traumatic situation, serious financial problems, or the end of a relationship, the distress can be overwhelming and may lead to thoughts of suicide. And finally, suicide can be caused by certain medications. Some drugs have been known to cause suicidal ideation and an increased risk of suicidal behavior. Death by suicide not only affects the person who died, but also suicide survivors who care deeply about the person. This experience may be one of the most challenging experiences that you've ever faced. The shock and the grief that consumes you after you lose someone to suicide is overwhelming. It can feel like you have fallen into a deep hole and will never be able to get out. Keep in mind, you never get over the loss you've experienced, but over time, you can begin to heal. If you are in crisis and thinking about suicide or you are worried about someone else who is in crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-TALK. Call right away. Joining us today is Dr. Clarence Davis, a.k.a. Dr. Dave. Dr. Dave is a counselor and workshop presenter. He did a TED Talk and a keynote speech on how to prevent suicide. He's the author of I Deserve to Live, How to Escape a Violent Relationship. He holds a PhD in philosophy and Christian counseling and started counseling combat soldiers while in Vietnam. He is a disabled veteran with more than 50 years of experience. Dr. Dave, thank you for joining us to discuss this all-important topic, grieving a suicidal loved one. Welcome, Dr. Day. It's good to be here with you again. Also, I'd like to welcome our PFAM around the world who has tuned in today for this podcast episode. Dr. Day, let's dive right in. Why do people commit suicide in your estimation? There are a lot of reasons, but it's never ending. For instance, let's take one simple group that boggles my mind. Let's take the veterans. Over 22 veterans are committing suicide each and every day. And it boggles my mind as to why a person would do all that they can going through combat to survive and then come home and want to take their life. And I think one of the biggest reasons that people commit suicide who have loved ones that are in families is neglect and rejection and not understanding. Too many times, especially men, are told, oh, man, you ought to get over that stuff, man. How long are you going to keep talking the same old talk? Well, 
you let that person talk that same old talk until they talk themselves out of feeling that no one cares. There's something called crib death. Crib death is believed to be caused because the children are not receiving any attention or the needed love and warmth. And because that infant does not get the nurturing, that infant at that age makes the decision, I don't want to live here any longer. So it's not an age thing. It's an environment thing. People, places, and things that make us feel rejected. Abandonment is a strong one. There's so many people running around looking for their daddies right now. Some of them in their 50s still trying to find their daddies because they want that connection. Or they're trying to find their mothers. Their mothers may be incarcerated. Or if their mother died at an extremely early age, they have difficulty ever connecting to another woman as her mother. So these are just some of the reasons that people will check out because they cannot get checked in. So you mentioned neglect and abandonment. Are you saying then that if we hone in on those two as parents, is it possible we can prevent suicide? When you have your hotline that you just mentioned, one of their greatest methods of success is listening, showing concern, never putting that person's feelings down. However they express themselves, however they want to say it, if they just want to just cry for 20 minutes, they will let them cry. How many children have been told, you better stop that crying. You cry, I'm going to give you something to cry for. I'll, I'll give you something to cry for. This child now never feels that they can go to their parent or caregiver in a moment of need of understanding. That door has been shut forever. So you're saying then, especially to uh, young parents who are just starting out, they really need to listen, tune in to their children. And even if they are crying or there's a need somewhere that that child is expressing, love me, pick me up, hug me, make me feel welcome and wanted. You're saying if we did more of that, we could impact the suicide rate. Yeah, here's the difference, Dr. D. Children, even infants, watch this now. Infants can feel insecurity, insincerity, sincerity. We must be sincere in doing it or the child still rejects it. They know when we're not sincere. Oh, come here, come here. Just, just stop your, stop your, just come in and just, now, now stop. You know, one, one thing, Dr. D, I do not like to see in public, these mothers shaking their baby like they are a, a smoothie. You don't shake children to stop them from crying. You hold them close to your heart so they can hear your heart beat. Your heartbeat will get them in rhythm to your love. Now, if you're angry, your heartbeat is going to be off and it's not going to work. These are just some of the things that we don't do that we used to do. Interesting. So if I'm hearing you correctly, family relationships and abuse 
are both associated with suicide. And we go through the motions in these family relationships and also just shaking the child could be a form of abuse or spanking the child or some kind of a punishment. This has an impact. Elaborate on that a little bit for us, Dr. Day. As you know, my sister committed suicide. So I'm very close to the subject. That's why I started this journey. And we just had another suicide two years ago in our family. I just got a call within the last 10 days where I'm on a suicide watch with two people. A person who is suicidal can come in and we can talk about issues and things. And perhaps we can get to what's going wrong in the family and keep them from committing suicide. A suicide watch is when I've been notified that a person has had at least one attempt. They survived one attempt. So now the whole thing becomes different. I have to really, really let this person know that I care. Because if what I say does not say that I care, then they will go inside. Now, with my sister, years later, after I had gone through all of my schooling, I realized what was missing in our family. We were not allowed to have our own lives. We were middle-class Black, well thought of, educated, but there was no liberation for the individual. My sister was told what she would be, what school she would go to, what grade she had to bring forth, and she did it, but with a sign of unhappiness. The day I saw her body after she had shot herself, I looked at her face, and Dr. D., she had a smile on her face. She had finally sent the family a message. People committing suicide and succeed are sending a message that no one recognized, realized, or cared, or knew how to handle while they were alive. So they said, okay, I'm going to send you a strong message. So what was that message, Dr. Day, from your sister? I really cannot tell you what her message was. I just know what the atmosphere of the family was. In my family, we had a lot of narcissistic caregivers. And you find this a lot of times among the well-educated. The day the child is born, this boy is going to be a lawyer. This is my lawyer's son. This is my business partner. And they will not deviate from that. And narcissistic parents, do not give children room to breathe. And at some point in time, that child will say, I've had enough. That's it. And you also mentioned earlier with your suicide watch clients, you have to show or exude an I care position. What exactly do you do that the parents are not doing? What does I care mean? I care means. I did not criticize, complain, or condemn anything that they are doing or have done or want to do. I don't criticize, complain, or condemn. And I listen, listen, and listen. And they have to know that I am listening. Because once they realize I'm listening, and even on the hotlines, when they call in, that's one thing that they make sure the person understands that I am listening to you. I am not judging you. 
and they have been judged up to this point and pushed to this point. What they need, Dr. D, I wish I could just reach out and just hug them. But, you know, thing being the way it is now, you're afraid to do the very thing they need. And some of them will tell you, I haven't been a hug my whole adult life. In other words, getting a hug and really saying I care and showing that you care is a starting point for families with potential victims of suicide, especially ones who have tried it or they've had an attempt at it already. I'm going to tell you something about the hug. I have three or four different hugs, appropriate hugs for appropriate people, appropriate situations. Now, you know, I got a special hug for my wife. So we're going to just put that on the side for a minute. When it comes to my daughter, my daughter enjoys hugging me because when I hug her, I hold up for about a second longer than I do anyone else. And then when I'm ready to separate, I can say, baby doll, you know I love you. I love you, dear heart. I can't do that with with clients, but since I know this is needed, I make sure that my daughter and my wife get it. That's powerful. Now, what are some warning signs of suicide so people can be not that you want to walk around rigid and, you know, zombie-like and robotic, but what are some of the warning signs that we should be aware of? The greatest one and the most noticeable one is the one most people ignore. When they tell you they're going to kill yourself, oh, get out of here. Stop, stop that nonsense. You just stop that. That that doesn't make any sense. Now, why would you want to kill yourself? See, that's criticizing, complaining, and condemning. Mm-hmm. And that person said, you're not listening to me. Here's the greatest question you can ask. When they say, I want to kill myself, do two things. Sit down. Don't talk to that person standing up. Sit down. Ask them why. And just listen. Men, I'll say this to you also because we have a major problem here. We don't want anyone to tell us that we're the problem. If we rule in our house, and we feel men are supposed to rule their house, and a man's not supposed to rule his house. A man's supposed to be the leader of his house, not rule it. But when you're ruling your house and your children are afraid to tell you, you're hurting me, I'm suffocating under you. I don't really like you. I want to get away from, as far away from you as I can. A man has to be strong to take that. But if that's what it takes, he has to take it. So ask. And you also want to give them the opportunity to verbalize the problem. Is there anything else as a warning sign that we can be aware of with loved ones and friends? Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of them. When they start putting distance between you and them, when they will not communicate or conversate with you, when they will not sit down and watch a TV show with you, when they will not go to church with you, or they stop going to church with you, when you go to an outing and they have to go off with the kids and they never come back to you until time comes to go home. I've seen kids crawl underneath a table to eat their meal. That tells me there's a problem in that family. And when other children tease the one that feels abandoned or rejected, 
Don't even let your kids tease another kid about getting braces. That is not an area of teasing. You sit those kids down and you explain to them, she's getting her teeth fixed for such and such, such a reason. This is not for your amusement. This is your sister. This is your brother. Then y'all hug each other and top this nonsense. So, Dr. Dave, when should a person or family members seek medical help? We've listened at the warning signs, but when should you seek medical help, again, without pushing the individual farther away? Dr. D, I would prefer, if at all possible, that they get spiritual guidance before psychological guidance, because psychological guidance is cold. It is cold. It can add to that problem. Because what we have is we have a breakdown within the family. We need a spiritual awakening because we need to understand why the members do not feel loved. Now, Dr. Dave, spiritual guidance and spiritual awakening, that's good for the people who are in touch spiritually. But not everyone is. So what would be the most important thing for someone who is outside of that spiritual realm? Dr. D, I cannot put my finger on any one trigger other than they've already attempted suicide. If they've attempted suicide, we know what we must do. If they're telling you, I'm going to kill myself, then we know what we must do. Now, here's a, a signal that's in our face, and we don't even know it. Have you heard of people cutting themselves? Yes. Would you believe that tattooing is cutting yourself? Really? Tattooing. So are you saying that a person who is tattooed has a risk of committing suicide? Well, when you see multiple tattoos, see, tattooing, they say it's painful. Anytime you are letting somebody create pain and pain and pain, you have a serious problem because what you're doing is you're receiving one pain to override another pain. Interesting. Repeat that again, please. When you're tattooing or when you're cutting, when a person cuts themselves, it hurts, but they don't have the courage to kill themselves yet. So what they're doing is sending out signals. And this is one pain I'll focus on the cuts that I've made so I don't think about the whippings that you gave me. There's no difference in you putting whelps on my back and me cutting myself or tattooing myself. Both of them are pain. And a person can become addicted to pain. Tattooing, PFAM, is a sign. Are there other signs an individual might portray as they're moving along this path of suicide or thinking suicide? If we look at a more aggressive personality that's committing suicide, somebody's always picking a fight verbally and physically. Someone who will upset the Thanksgiving dinner on a regular basis. Someone, as soon as they walk into any family settings, here comes trouble. This person can be suicidal. Now, they may not take their own life, and they may take their own life, 
this could be one of those suicide by cop. And explain that, elaborate on that. Suicide by cop is God has put in us a desire not to hurt ourselves. God has put in us a desire not to kill ourselves. But Satan can get in us and make us want to do it. So we'll get drunk. We'll get high. We'll do some dangerous things to cause it. We even go down there and get in an incident with a cop. You don't have any weapon, but you know how to agitate him so that he'll kill you because you didn't have the courage to take your own life. But yet you wanted to send a message back home. I've had two suicides in my family, and they were 50 years apart. And when the second one occurred, I had started talking to a few of the members, maybe about a year or so before it happened, that we never sat down as a family. We never talked individually about what happened, about my sister. When I brought it up, others wanted to, well, they felt more shame than anything else. That she went through that and no one knew what to do. What to do is listen. Don't criticize, complain, or condemn. They will usually talk themselves out as they find somebody in the family to get close enough to that will listen and start to understand their problems. How many problem children in school or elsewhere stop being a problem child once somebody started listening to them? We can find all of this in your book. Am I right? Yes. And please tell the PFAM the name of that book again. I Deserve to Live. I Deserve to Live. Any other signs that the PFAM could just have in their minds just to be prepared for a loved one? You just mentioned it. When they are pretending that things are all right now, they've been problem, problems, problems. Now, all of a sudden, okay, all right, I understand. It's just like a cancer patient who is doing poorly. Then all of a sudden, and miraculously, they're doing fine. And a week later, they die. You see that same reaction just before the suicidal person succeeds. Now, let me add one other thing in there, too. There's something that's hardly ever talked about, and that's suicide by accident. I'm not talking about a car accident. I'm talking about, I know that you get home at 5.30, so I'm going to take these pills at 5 o'clock, pass out, and you'll discover me. However, that day you go to the mall and don't come home until 7 o'clock. And I'm dead. They're seeking attention, in other words. They want you to help them. They want to do it, but they want you to stop the process. Or accidental suicide. Accidental suicide. They didn't intend to go all the way, but they did. Again, PFAM, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255-800-273-8255. Talk. Dr. Dave, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your knowledge transfer. And also, we want to thank you for your service, your military service. Please tell the PFAM 
how they can find you. You can find me on my website. It's www.clergy, C-L-E-R-G-Y, the number three, dot com. And my phone number is 410-984-2305. Thank you again, Dr. Dave. We appreciate all that you've shared with us today. PFAM, I want to thank you for tuning in and our relatives for the first time. Thank you for being a part today. Allow me to leave you with 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Take care and be safe. Thank you for listening. I hope you found today's episode valuable and inspiring. Remember, you have the power to reinvent your past and revolutionize your future. If you want to continue on your journey towards emotional freedom and achieving your full potential, be sure to visit drdcarroll.com. That's D-R-D-E-E-C-A-R-R-O-L-L.com for more resources and information. Again, thank you for listening. And until next time, remember that quitting is not an option.